Previously on Caustic Soda. And now, the conclusion. It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up. It's time for Tales of Woe. It's time to take the red pill on the Caustic Soda Show. It's time to do our research, unless your name is Joe. It's time to load the wiki on the Caustic Soda Show. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you... Alan But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational, strapped in for the Caustic Soda Show! In the news. March 2012, Milwaukee. Snow globes, which were left on a window ledge, directed sunlight into an intense heat beam. What? That started a couch fire in a Milwaukee home. Really? Wow. So the couch was the ant in this situation uh, of the uh, magnifying glass ant kind of preteen boy combo. (laughs) (laughs) What? I was just laughing at how long you took to get, to get there. Yeah, I kind of went. It was the circuitous route. It's true, but uh, how ironic is it that there were snow globes starting I know! a fire? I know it shouldn't even be possible. <laughs> Broken pop bottles in the woods start forest fires. Oh, really? Yeah, little piece of curved oh, glass. The sun hits it, sense. reflects into that carpet of fine pine needles. And that's and... why you should all never always take out what you bring in. Mm. Recycle, people. It's good for the forest. Be kind. Rewind. <laughs> Give a hoot, read a book. <laughs> the, the owner said that he left the snow globes on a ledge after Christmas and forgot about them. The globes stayed well, yeah. on the shelf. The angle of the sun changed over the months. Finally, the globes directed intense heat beams at the back of the couch. Neighbors heard a smoke alarm and called 911. Thank God, because the house would have probably been gone and after half an hour, the homeowner said. Homeowner. If you look at any of the uh, the YouTube clips of various fire safety organizations doing tests, they always start it either in the dry Christmas scotch pine or the sofa in the living room. That's hmm. almost all tests are set up that way. Because that's the bulk of them end up that way. Somebody's smoking a cigarette. It's not, it's not just because it's easier to do it that way. <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. <laughs> April 2012, Sweden. Ormskolsisjik, to Wait, be precise. They have fire in Sweden? I thought they were—they still hadn't caught fire yet. Well, here's the thing. Oh, there's a the thing. A man attempted to use a vacuum cleaner to siphon fuel from his car. All right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. There's a, nothing can go wrong with this plan. <laughs> Emergency responders said that the man was attempting to suck gas out of his car to fuel his snowblower. Okay. However, he soon had to throw the vacuum out of the garage after the appliance caught fire. Yeah, well, the vacuum cleaners get kind of hot mm-hmm. when and, you use them a lot. It might have some kind of electricity going through yeah, them somewhere. Uh-huh. 
The vacuum soon exploded outside the garage. I bet you it wasn't even a shop vac. He's probably using like a dust devil or something. The vacuum soon exploded outside of the garage. He then noticed that the car had also caught fire. Hmm. The homeowner called for help and evacuated his sleeping family from the house. He's like, wow, those guys are asleep. I'm going to siphon vacuum. I've always wanted to do this. Siphon vacuum. Siphon fuel out of my car with a vacuum. I've been trying to do this for weeks. The wife won't let me siphon my gas. I'm going to wait until she goes to bed. I'll show her. get a proper hose. (laughs) For the cost of a freaking- 25 cents for a hose? We got a perfectly good vacuum cleaner right here. I don't even think that's what it was. I think he just didn't know how. He just thought, well, you got to suck it out. I got a vacuum cleaner. I'll suck it out. This is why, people, you need to look on the internet how to do things. Well, for the cost of a freaking jerry can, like just the next time you go to the gas station. Well, I'm trying to figure out, now he's got gas in his lint bag, in the the little paper. How are you going to get the gas out with all the lint to run it through your... That's got to be hugely flammable. Like, it's, it's, it's aerosolized in there. It's been hit by... There's probably like a little blade that it had to pass through that just made it all the gas just go oh yeah so what is he gonna do it's like snow blow in the middle of the night his family's sleeping and he uses a vacuum cleaner to siphon gas to fuel his snow blower which is even louder than a vacuum cleaner <laughs> like the guy's a jerk i think the problem was he did go to the internet first to look up how to do it but he went to the dust devil.com <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh firefighters said they had extinguished the flames but the car was burnt out in the garage sustained damage from the smoke okay so no casualties, unlike the January 2013 Kiss nightclub fire in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is ugly. This is, as it happens, news, more or less. Mm-hmm. So the blaze began at around 2.30 a.m. during a per- performance by Gurizada Fandanguera. That, that sounds like a band you can dance to. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be a lot of dancing. It's a country music band. Uh, the flames broke out minutes after the employment of a pyrotechnic machine that fans out colored sparks. Police have said the club's ceiling was covered with an insulating foam that made the made from a combustible material that appeared to have ignited after it came in contact with a spark during the performance. After the fire extinguisher malfunctioned, the blaze spread throughout the packed club quickly, emitting a thick, toxic smoke. Oh, wow. The club was packed with an estimated 1,200 to 1,300 people. Is it, wait, wait, is the name of this place Kiss? Like K-I-S-S? Yes. I've been to that place. Oh. <laughs> Did you sabotage the fire extinguishers while <laughs> well, you were there? I was there like three years ago, so I think I'm blame. I think I'll be found blameless. Because the venue apparently had neither an alarm nor a sprinkler system and only one working exit, the crowd was left to search desperately for a way out. Wait, one working exit? What yeah. happened to all the other exits? I would assume they're chained up, locked up. You know, I uh, oh the classic uh, oh let's lock all the escape doors so that people can't sneak well, in or you know, sneak out. I mean, I'm a firefighter, and of course, I hate that kind of stuff. And I was talking to my wife the other day, and I said, you know, when I was younger, I had a friend who said, "I'll go in the front, you yeah. go around back, and I'll yeah. let you." I'm you know on a certain level of ethics responsible for guys chaining these doors shut. Yeah, anyone who's ever done that or thought of doing it yeah. or thought of trying to get out without paying or get in without paying that's that's what I, I mean. They're unethical for locking it; it's wrong. But it's but, but understandable. But for the actions of these people, they exactly. wouldn't have to. They yeah. would. But you could do the classic, put an alarm on it. So and the big sign, if you open this door, the alarm will go off and nobody wants to set off a fire alarm. And then you can actually get out in the event of a fire. But they probably a padlock and a chain, probably a lot cheaper than putting in an, a, an elaborate alarm system. Yeah. Yeah. So and then no one uh, has to go check on it. I'm thinking these guys are pretty much dirtbags. 
I'm going with the dirtbag argument. Oh, I, I, I don't support it at all. They're in the wrong, and they will legally be punished for it. Yeah. The reason this nightclub was famous in and around Sao Paulo is that uh, in, in, in Sao Paulo, prostitution is legal. There are brothels all over the place. And this was one of the places where all the off-duty, uh, many of the off-duty prostitutes like to go and hang out. Oh, I see. So it was very famous for uh, having a uh, an attractive female clientele. So we were just looking at bodies laid out on the street yeah. there. That's uh, it's pretty disturbing footage. How many people died in this fire? Uh, Two hundred forty-five is the number I can find. I don't think they yeah. have the number still accurate number yet. Right. It's still fluid number. About fifty of the victims were found in the club's two bathrooms. People headed to the bathrooms because the only lights in the dark club were coming from there, and the patrons mistook them for exits. <sighs> So into a into a death trap. This yeah. is why we have those big annoying exit light up signs mm-hmm. and exits. The fire inspector said the band knowingly purchased flares meant for outdoor use because they cost a mere dollar twenty five a piece compared with a thirty five dollar price tag for an indoor flare. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost all of the victims died from smoke inhalation rather than burns. More than ninety people were hospitalized. The blaze was the deadliest in Brazil since at least 1961 when a fire had swept through a circus, killing 503 people in Rio de Janeiro. Wow. Well, this fire is spectacular. Like, we're watching... Uh, the, this video will be on the website, obviously, com, And it is, like, the entire block is... is raging. Engulfed. Raging. And this is, this is now daytime, so this is obviously hours and hours and hours later. These fires could go on for... A building this size? I mean, it's hard to tell it's if it's like more warehouse. than one building. You probably, if you're lucky, going to get the fire out in six, seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. Then you've got mop up and putting out hot spots, looking for extension of fire in the walls, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. They're, they're going to be people cruise on that site two, three days. Oh yeah. wow! Uh, follow up, immediate follow up, mm-hmm. <laughs> instant follow up. Due to this fire, Brazilian authorities inspected and closed night spots around the country as part of a crackdown on unsafe public spaces. Authorities in the Amazon city of Manaus have temporarily closed about 66 bars, nightclubs, and other public buildings, causing the affected owners to protest outside City Hall, claiming the closures were arbitrary. Officials also found the fire code violations inside Manaus City Hall. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Which include faulty emergency lighting and fire extinguishers that didn't work. That's about right. So can we just remind our caustic soda jerks that maybe now is a good time to make sure that your fire extinguisher works and it's filled up and, you know, there's batteries in your smoke alarms? I think what I'm taking away from this is when uh, next time I go to Brazil, and it's not a matter of if, only when, I go to Brazil, I will just wear a fireproof suit at all times because... uh, (laughs) Ensuring that you will die from smoke inhalation. (laughs) You've been watching too much Hollywood. There's no such thing as fireproof. Fire, fire, fire resistant or fire. I guess I can't. It's not politically correct to say fire retardant. <laughs> uh, a fire retardant is a type of chemical as opposed to a type of fabric. I will cover myself in fire retardant chemicals. Good. Uh huh. So then I can, you'll be the hit of the party. Really, I'll, I'll wear a speedo. I'll be covered in fire retardant chemicals. It'll just look like I'm oiled up for the sun. They're highly carcinogenic. Now. <laughs> I'm just a, making that part up. Yeah. Oh, it's always a catch. I'll just be the annoying guy at the nightclub. Hey, why is this door locked? Why is this chained? Do you not remember the hundreds of people who died? Because 
this exit sign is not lit. And the bouncer would be like, shut up, man. Just shut up and go dance. No, the bouncer in Brazil will look at you and uh, go, I don't understand in Portuguese. What should our listeners do if they find themselves in a situation where you're, let's say you're at a Darks of the Hillside Thickets uh, show. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the first time ever we're going to start to use pyrotechnics. All right. Okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> they have a flashlight. <laughs> no, it'll, be in, it'll be involved somehow in your suit. You'll have yeah, a right. costume right. that yeah. will require... I'll be Cthugua, the fire great old one, fire-related great old one. Okay, okay great. Yeah. And uh, I'll have flares coming out of my head, and one of them hits the ceiling, and a fire starts. The moment you see it, book it. Like, I'm not saying push people over and go to the door, but move immediately. There's a there's a great clip of the Station Nightclub fire, and you probably notice a theme here, Coconut Grove fire, Kiss fire, Station Nightclub fire. And the moment the person with the video camera sees the flames, as soon as this man, this, the man with the camera does the right thing. Yeah. So the station nightclub fire was uh, Rhode Island, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, it began at 11.07 p.m. at a glam metal and rock and roll themed nightclub. Again, caused by pyrotechnics set off by the tour manager uh, for the evening's headlining band, Great White which ignited flammable sound insulation foam in the walls and ceilings surrounding the stage. The fast-moving fire engulfed the club in five and a half minutes. Some 230 people were injured, and another 132 people escaped uninjured. Killed uh, 100 people. Yeah. And there's video footage online that shows uh, its initial... You can just... Well, we can watch the whole thing. I can now see that the sparks are shooting up the walls. Right. Turn the... the camera guys just noticed it. But, but here, I'll, I'll back up so you can actually see the sparks. Look at... You can literally see the sparks bouncing off the of the wall. Hitting yeah. the acoustic tiles, which were not right. fire resistant. Camera swings back. Cameraman sees two... Sparks are off. Things there's of fire. Fire on the ceiling. He, he probably spends two seconds saying, hey, everybody, and he's leaving. Yeah, and he, you can see the is, fire go straight Yeah, he's a smart man. As soon as he noticed it, you you and your whole way out the door, shout. There's there's a fire back there. Everyone, please leave. I mean, you don't want to start a panic, which is tricky. But the the most important thing I would argue that you can do before any of this happens is on your way in, stop, take, drop, and roll. Take a, <laughs> no, that's on your way out. <laughs> take a look around the joint. Yeah, are there alternative exits? And you don't have to you know pull out a piece of paper and map out the place. Just you know, be self-aware, pay attention to what's going on around you. Is there an alternative to this door? A lot of what happens is people, especially on, on aircraft, when there's a fire or a crash, is your brain locks into what door did I come in? Yeah. That's the door I'm leaving through. And people have run past available exits. Right. Trying to get to a door that they came in through because that's the only one they remember. Mm-hmm. So just take a look around. See, you know, are there extra exits? That kind of thing. I'm not going to say, you know, look where the fire extinguishers are because you're just not going to have a good time. But... Pay attention to your surroundings. As soon as you notice there's a problem, book it. And that's probably the two best things you can do. If the smoke starts building up, get down on your hands and knees. Right. Stay where the air is. And sure. Start smashing out windows with things. Well, nightclubs have a yeah. tendency to be sort of like, you know, windowless. Yeah, they edifices, usually do. Although right? this one had windows. You can see the smoke pouring out. out of them. Yeah. They're blacked out. That's a minute and 30 seconds. When he comes around this corner... Look at the people at the front door. Yeah, there's just this horrible, horrible mash, and you can just hear people screaming, and it's just horrific. One minute, 30 seconds. Yeah. Wow. And uh, one of the guys in the band actually died, too, didn't he? Including guitarist Ty Longley died in the fire. Ty Longley died in the fire. 
the rest of the band went out one way and he went the opposite way and got st- got stuck inside. Right. Well, I think the band, if I'm not mistaken, exited from the stage door, yes. which was available. Yeah. But the crowd went the other way. The, right. the crowd all went back towards to the, front door, the front door. The single front door. And yeah, they could have got, the stage door was like At least some of them could have got yeah. out the stage door. Yeah. On this particular video we were watching, you do see the camera person goes around the building shouting, you know, he's going, does anyone need help? Is there anyone in there? And he goes to the stage door and you look in and by that point in time, it's a complete wall of fire, the stage door. Right. So uh, that person, he did it exactly right. Just don't hang around and look. Leave. Don't wait for it. Yeah. You start getting woozy. Yeah, but we did. He could have gotten some more interior footage. For the he, benefit of for us. For the benefit of us yeah, later on. He could on. have left his camera just on yeah. like a table and yeah. retrieved it later. So he's, he was a, an escapee first and a cameraman second. So he doesn't take his craft all that seriously. And as, as this video goes on, you're going to see people coming out of here fully enveloped in fire. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, it's it's this is ugly, and it, it highlights things like the Coconut Grove fire and the Kiss nightclub fire. Massive number of people frequently overloaded. Of course, because they're trying to make as much money as possible. Exactly, you know? and it's wrong. It's unethical. It's horrible, but it's completely understandable. Yeah. I mean, we we do our best to try and stop it. We do all love money. The the Coconut Grove fire. The mm-hmm. number of deaths was thirty two over the maximum occupancy of the nightclub. Yeah, thirty two um, more people died. This is not including the ones who got out. Then we're legally allowed to be in that building. Yeah. We've talked about people assembling in nightclubs. The other place people tend to assemble in huge amounts is sporting events. Right. Mm-hmm. There was a very famous fire in 1985 in England, Bradford City Stadium fire. Right. Where the entire grandstand went up in just two or three minutes. Uh, it was started by smoking. It and it's all caught on film. It's all caught on film. Uh, it was a wooden grandstand, uh, and it didn't have what's called risers in the seats. So w- when you're little and you draw stairs, you go up, over, up, over, up, over when you're drawing mm-hmm. the lines. Yeah. Well, the, the lines that you're drawing that go up, those are called risers. Yeah. And the stands didn't have those. So over the eons, people have been dumping garbage underneath, and it just oh, piled up. Oh, because you just throw it right through. And then one person smoking in the wooden stands. There's the flame starting there, as we're seeing on the video. And this was, I mean, because it was open and there was access to the sporting field, I think, blessedly, only 56 people were killed in this. But it's amazing 56 people are killed. You look at this police officer, look under the stands. Those are completely on fire under Holy the crap. stands. And the crowds are on top of them. And it just gets going in seconds. And the color commentator who's on the opposite side of the field within two or three minutes is saying, I'm going to have to leave where I am. It's too hot here. And those will, that entire grandstand will eventually be consumed by this fire. Wow.
pop culture. All right. Towering Inferno, 1974. Paul Newman, Steve McQueen, William Holden, Faye Dunaway, Fred Astaire, Richard Chamberlain, O.J. Simpson. It's a star-studded cast. That is absolutely a star-studded cast. At the opening party for a colossal but poorly constructed office building, a massive fire breaks out that threatens to destroy the tower and everyone in it. You watch this one. Uh... Steve McQueen, the king of cool, is in it. I'll watch. <laughs> I'd watch him wash his car. The guy could. Oh, well. Oh, in a bikini? Well, no. I mean, he just had more acting talent in his pinky finger than tons of actors have in their whole body. I'm a McQueen fan as well. This uh, movie is actually based on two novels, The Tower and The Glass Inferno. Oh, so they mishmashed. They mishmashed and got the towering inferno out of those two names. Okay. After the success of the Poseidon Adventure, disaster was hot property. Get it? Hot property. <laughs> and Warner Brothers bought the rights to the tower, and uh, 20th Century Fox bought the rights to the Glass Inferno. Okay. And Originally conceiving of doing competing movies? Yes. To avoid competing at the box office, the two studios joined forces and pooled their resources, each paying half of the production cost. Wow, that's rare. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was the first time that had ever happened. And probably the last time. Didn't it do well? Did this movie do It really did extremely well. well. Three Academy Awards. And huge. it made eight times uh, its cost at the box office. No, Somebody but, probably complained anyway. No, but, uh, we did that deal with those guys. Yeah, and it, I guarantee times. you I know exactly what happened. It made tons of money at the box office. Mm -hmm. And one studio head said, why are we sharing the profits with that other studio? <laughs> yeah. And then they, they mucked with the books. Made it look like it didn't actually make a profit. So oh, they didn't yeah. have to give That's the actually the storyline of the movie. That's, <laughs> oh, it just burns my hide that I have to share the, the box office smash success of this movie with that other studio. Chaps my hide. <laughs> uh, this is an incredibly long movie. This is like two hours and 45 minutes, yeah, I think. I've seen shorter versions yep. of Hamlet. <laughs> and yeah. uh, My favorite was the 10-minute scene. Paul Newman mm -hmm. is leading this group of three people down a stairway. There's an explosion. They have to get down by climbing the railing. Right. The stairs have fallen away and there's just yeah, the arm they rail. Have to, they have to go down the dangling rail. That sounds precarious. First, Paul Newman goes down. Then... Bobby Brady. That's who the little boy was. Oh, is that right? The little boy goes down. Then Paul Newman climbs up to grab the little girl, and they go down. You watch all this happen from just top play to bottom. in real yeah. time. And then he... It's called tension. ...inspires the, uh, the lady. Right. And who falls to, to her death. To, no. Not nope. then. Later oh. on. I wish. She I falls wish. to her death later on. <laughs> this is a 10-minute scene of watching four different people climb the same way. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster film. That scene wow. is... It is. Oh, it's painful. That <laughs> sounds like it would kill the pacing. It was not fun. It's two hours and 45 minutes about a building on fire. What kind of pacing yeah, could I've, there be? I've put out fires faster than that. <laughs> uh, You've put out towering infernos, yeah. probably. Well, they, I mean, they, they spared no expense on the film. The, the model of the tower was actually five stories high. Really? Yeah, it was, it was oh, wow. massive. And so you build a quote-unquote miniature... Yeah. That is five stories high. Yeah. You look at it, it's very lavish. They splashed out on everything. The sets yeah. are amazing. That promenade room where the party's held is, yeah. is really something else. Who are your favorite characters in the movie? I like Fred Steve Astaire. McQueen. I like Fred Astaire. Okay, sure. And yeah, Steve McQueen, because he's the battalion chief who, for some reason, winds up hanging from a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, being dropped on the roof because he's a demolitions expert. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a one-man show. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive. I think my favorite character was the kind of sleazeball cutting the corners guy. Richard Chamberlain, the son-in-law who was the electrician? The son-in-law, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's yeah. slimy. He he was really the only person who had character for like the first 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like he was the only well, he's one. He's drunk the whole time. <laughs> <What was that? laughs>
And then my other favorite character was Carlos, the bartender. Oh, uh, Chano from Barney Miller. <laughs> Every time I'm on here, I talk about Barney Miller. Because <laughs> he was just kind of, he's just like there all the whole time. He's like totally steady. Yeah. He, and, and then he's killed by a piece of styrofoam horrible, at the end. A horrible death. And, the, uh, the statue falls and it touches his leg yeah. and he dies. <laughs> he was also the Puerto Rican neighbor on Sanford and Son. That's right. Yeah, he was a big deal in the 70s. No, it's, you know, it, it's visually an impressive movie. The story yeah. is pretty threadbare. It's, How was the uh, firefighting science? There's, there's not a lot of it, although you do see the attack teams doing their jobs with officers going back and forth and directing them, which is pretty nice. You don't see that in a lot of films. Right. I like to see that. Where, uh, like, the firefighters all doing the proper things, like holding their hoses right and yeah, ducking for the most, when they should have for ducked. For the most and... part, yeah. I mean, Hollywood is always trapped, of course, with fire, because if you show it real, you're not going to see anything. No one's going to watch a black screen for an hour with right. all the smoke. Yeah. So, of course, it's this completely smoke-free fire and when you watch every five minutes there's an explosion on the on the model of the yes, tower on the outside yes. and i'm going okay the first one it's a backdraft it happened somewhere in the building someone opened a door something yeah. vented itself but then like every five minutes a floor blows out on the building mm. and there's dialogue problems where one minute the fire's on the 81st floor and then a couple minutes later it's like now it's on the 76th floor and then it's on the 85th floor and you're going where's the fire and then eventually the whole building's well on fire. no i mean uh, uh, fires can teleport right and of course I, uh, robert wagner's death was pretty awesome uh, which one was he? He's fooling around with his secretary. Oh yeah, that was like the first. That was this He's was the when the film got indist- in- interesting. This yeah. is when flaming people are falling out of windows. And it, I've always that was had a high. Resp- the, the best scene of the movie, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree because I mean the, the way they put out the fire, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Should be it here, I think. Oh, viewer discretion is advised. So he's got a wet towel. He's doing it partly right. He's got he soaked a towel. Right. Look at the size of his bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the size of his head. He deserves what's about to happen to him because of that bow tie, yeah. Yeah, I mean you never want to go running through flames, but he's done Not it. even with a wet towel. No, over your well, head? I mean that's the best you're gonna be able to do. Okay. You know, if it's your choice between stay put and die or maybe run through it, soak yourself with that. You're you're probably gonna burn your hands, you're gonna get steam burns from your own towel, or what's gonna happen to him is gonna happen to you. He gets like... He gets five feet. Five feet out, and he and catches this is, on fire. I remember watching this when I was very young, seven or eight. It was on television. And it's it's where I gained the highest respect for stunt people who do fire work. Mm. That man is completely on fire. And as you said before we started recording, all the glass in this movie <laughs> is like basically candy glass. Yeah, well, that, I mean, one of the points to the movie is the uh, the contractors cut corners to save tons of money. And I think they saved on glaziers because it's, it's all made out of nothing. You just yeah. touch glass in this movie. People lean against the glass window in the elevator and fall to their death. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. But when they do need to break out a window on the uh, promenade deck, they're smashing it with chairs trying to get through it. And they're having trouble and I'm going, oh. This is where they spent the money on the glass. <laughs> Very convenient. The party room. I also watched from 1938 in Old Chicago. This film is a fictionalized account of the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 and stars Alice Brady as Mrs. O'Leary, the owner of the cow which started the fire. Okay. And Tyrone Power and Don Amici as her sons. This was a pretty interesting movie for the most part. Good oh, fire really? scene at the end. It had really good chemistry. It was about it was mainly about these two brothers. The one brother was uh, kind of like the upstanding young lawyer who eventually runs for mayor, and the other brother is kind of this sleazy entrepreneur who opens this uh, this lavish but you know crooked nightclub and all and how they are at, at odds with each other. And then uh, Mrs. O'Leary's cow at the climax of the movie knocks, knocks over a lantern in the barn. 
and, sets and starts the, world on the fire. Great Chicago Fire, and then the rest of the movie, which is not the majority of the movie by any stretch, of the, it's the last twenty minutes, yeah, is the fire is uh, is the fire, and them trying to find each other and reconciling and dying horribly. And it's a tricky movie to find. I had to rent it yesterday on VHS. Oh wow! From a local video store. <laughs> they still have those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the Beta Barn was closed, so. I <laughs> <Got> <laughs> You know, from the same era, you've got uh, Gone with the Wind with one of the most famous one-eighth of a page script pages in cinema history. Which Atlanta. Is, uh, Atlanta Burns. Oh, I see. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, when people talk about uh, page length in the film industry, it refers to like how significant the scene is, how much dialogue there is, or how much the description there is. So the longer the number of pages, that's how we all determine how we schedule right. in, internally in the film industry. So there's a couple of very famous one-eighths of a page that, you know, should be just a little snippet or a single shot or something like that that, you know, take up like, you know, 20 minutes of screen time. And the longest day, the the D-Day movie, there was a one-eighth of a page that was The War Rages On. Right. Right. Okay. Which is like 20 minutes of screen time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and in Gone with the Wind, uh, they, they had in the script Burns. Atlanta Burns. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of uh, them on a horse cart. You know, trying to get away from burning uh, buildings and whatnot. So uh, for in old Chicago, despite crediting the Chicago Historical Society (laughs) for assistance with historical research, much of the film is fictionalized. The portrayal of the O'Leary family is largely fictitious. The 20-minute climactic fire sequence cost $150,000 to stage. Wow, in 1938. That's $2.3 million today. Oof. And burned for three days on the Fox backlot. One thing I like to add, I've always liked Don Amici who's in this. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 his career was so interesting how it would, he'd be on top and then disappear for 20 years and then back. And then and he was one half of the Bickersons, he, he's, the comedy that's duo. That's right. The Bickersons. Uh, but in this movie, uh, Alice Faye, the actress who played Belle Fawcett, the female lead, right. and she had this quote, and I just loved it. Six films are made with Don Amici, and in every one of them, my voice was deeper than the plot. <laughs> nice. It was it was a good film, but it it wasn't deep. No, not really. No. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the Great Chicago Fire, we hadn't really talked about it in the history section. It was not started by a cow. Oh, that's a trope. The traditional account of the origin of the fire is that it was started by a cow kicking over a lantern, Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Mm-hmm. Twenty-two years later, the reporter who wrote the O'Leary account admitted that he had made it up as colorful copy. Imagine being Mrs. O'Leary. <laughs> exactly. And everybody point their exactly. fingers at you. Going, you Burn. son of a bitch! <laughs> well, the barn was the first building to be consumed by the fire, but the official report cannot determine the cause. So it was really the cow was smoking. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> the old smoking. That's cow. That's why dairy is bad for you. <laughs> That's true. It's all that nicotine and milk. Yeah. The attempts to stop the fire were unsuccessful. The mayor had even called surrounding cities for help, but by that point, the fire was simply too large. When the fire destroyed the waterworks just north of the Chicago River, the city's water supply was cut, and the firefighters were forced to give up. More than 300 people died in the fire, and over 100,000 were left homeless, destroying about 3.3 square miles of the city. That will do it. Now, nobody had the wherewithal to watch Ladder 49. Couldn't uh, locate it. With Joaquin Phoenix and John Travolta. It got decent ratings on the internet. Yeah. But you refuse to watch it, Alan. You know, I, oh, yeah, I, I tend to stay away from a lot of firefighting stuff in films. Yeah, yeah, because you can't enjoy the film because you're looking at it going, oh, they got that wrong. Oh, they got that wrong. You know, oh. it's, it, it is a certain measure of that. And it's also Hollywood's need to make fires and cops into heroes. Mm-hmm. And that's people and are, you know firsthand that none of them are. People are just they're all yellow. People belly. are just people. <laughs> Some people are put into extraordinary circumstances and they amaze me whether they're firefighters or not. 
But Hollywood just has this, because it's so close to me, mm-hmm. it's nauseating. I can watch a war film and go, good on you guys. Good. Oh, wow. They're wonderful. And I'm sure soldiers are going, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just have trouble with it. I did actually see one scene from Ladder 49, and I thought it was hilarious. And it's, it's at the opening when uh, I think John Travolta is a battalion chief, mm-hmm. and they're they're pranking the probie and they show up and he's pretending he's drunk and he's in his underpants sitting at his desk and it's it's very the kind of thing we do do to probies oh mm-hmm. the, the what's a yeah. probie probationary? Uh, probationary firefighter okay. yeah mm-hmm. you know you'll you'll tell them jokes like uh well your first three weeks on shift you have to make up your bed on the floor next to the deputy chief's bed and or the, yeah. the, the battalion chief's bed and he's like what yeah well he doesn't wake up very well so your yeah. job is to wake him up if there's a call during the night. <laughs> a lot you know, of this, you do that kind yeah. of stuff. A lot of this is featured, of course, in the series Rescue Me. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of. They prank the probies constantly. There are malicious ones, but most of it's usually just pretty light, silly. Do you and... ever start any fires? <laughs> you know, if there's one thing firefighters are bad at. <laughs> if, you, if you watch like Training Fire Disaster on YouTube just or Google it, you'll see firefighters blowing themselves to smithereens or they can't get it to light. <laughs> not very good with fire <laughs> was there a fire in roxanne from 1987 yeah and actually you know i like roxanne it's uh there it's is a, a fire at the end yeah. it's a great movie the retelling of cyrano de bergerac's story right um with steve martin steve martin the... as the fire chief as the nosy guy so what was the fire like in that one well it's a pretty small fire it's nothing nothing too spectacular but they they show the fire department at the beginning of the movie are utterly incompetent there's mm-hmm. some hilarious <laughs> training drills with people being lifted into the air on yeah. hoses and and the chief is just beside himself so he brings in a professional ringer to this small town it's a, it's a volunteer fire department and uh this guy slowly through the movie where you don't really see it he's he's working with them so when a fire hits at the end they do this amazingly competent job okay. of putting the fire mm-hmm. out uh, except that whoever wrote the dialogue doesn't know anything about the fire department. So the orders that that uh, Steve Martin is giving just don't, hoist the gypsum. They Still just the don't mask. make sense. Yeah, he's he's just not making Bad sense. Down the but you ignore that. But it's it's a great movie. But that takes uh, has a lot of stuff take place in the firehouse. In Spider Man One, okay, the Sam Raimi one. Yeah, so Green Goblin sets a building on fire to draw in Spider Man. Then disguises himself as an old lady to get Spidey to rescue him. Yeah, yes, he's got the shawl over yeah. her head, and then like he goes goes to grab her, and then she turns around. And they got that jump moment. And there's that whole scene with the, in the burning building where they fight. Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. he's throwing the like the razor pumpkins at him. Yeah, and, and he goes into bullet time. Bullet time, and it's like it's cutting his suit in certain places and stuff. Yeah, that's a pretty cool scene actually. And in the second film, Peter, after losing his powers, rushes to the scene of a burning apartment building, and rescues a small girl. He then discovers that there were more people on an upper floor that perished due to the fire, and he doesn't regain his powers for a few scenes afterwards. And Spider-Man 2 was not the abomination that Spider-Man 3 was. Kevin, what do you remember about the fire in Kick-Ass, the movie? I remember, oh, this is the um, the fire in the warehouse where all the goons are standing by because uh, uh, they're going to lure Kick-Ass into the warehouse because they think that he's the one who's been causing trouble for their criminal operation. Right. And Big Daddy shows up and kills them all and uh, lights the place on fire to uh, do more damage to their to their operation. And, mm. and uh, the um, Red Mist goes in and grabs the nanny cam that he left there, and that's how they discover that Kick-Ass isn't the guy who's been doing all the damage, and it's, in fact, Big Daddy. It's how they discover he's in the mix. Uh, so, yeah, so there, you know, it was a big warehouse fire, but everybody was dead before the fire started. So, uh, oh. which didn't really make much sense, what we know about fires right now. Like, there would have been almost no breathable amounts of oxygen in there. The 
the temperature would have been he couldn't have gotten close to that building much less run in right. grab, grab a teddy cam. bear yes especially when it was like you know engulfed like it is in the movie yeah yeah there it's was no way pretty typical movie logic that unless something actually touches, touches you, you that you're going to be okay so as long as the fireball from the explosion doesn't touch you you're fine and as long as the fire itself doesn't you're fine mm -hmm. completely ignoring that it's probably you know a thousand degrees yeah in the superheated air wave in front of the fireball etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. if this you're in a situation like that there there is often a safe zone in the bottom oh. eight inches oh. if you're lucky which is why you know firefighters actually putting out a fire usually crawling on their bellies or down on their knees mm -hmm. um Part of the stop, drop, and roll is is not only to put out the fire if you're on fire, but to get under the smoke, get down where the air is, and mm -hmm. get as low to the heat as possible. It's not going to guarantee it, but it's your best hope. Joe, what about the Watchman? Is there a fire in the Watchman? Yeah, there's a, there's an apartment complex that goes up in flame, and Night Owl and Silk Spectre two, Night Owl two, I yes, guess as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, both read they they put their costumes on. Yeah, and this is when they decide they're going to go back to fighting. Yeah, that, that uh, Night Owl had been resisting it up to this point, but. This is basically a convenient superhero rescue is what it is. Yeah. Oh, good. Something we can do that doesn't involve just beating up criminals. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do it. It's a little silly. They, the way that they at least deal with the fire so that they can rescue the people is he uses the Gatling gun on his owl ship to shoot the uh, huge water reservoir on top of the building. Yes. And I was like, that would have gone down anyway eventually. That's the a fire. tip of the hat to uh, the Tower Towering Inferno. Inferno yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. These people are in this building and you're looking through the window and there's zero smoke where they are. Like one of the guys has yeah. a soot covered face, but there's no smoke in the room they're in because you can see them perfectly. It's I don't know. I mean, it's it, was, right. it was beautifully shot. Beautifully like, shot. It's yeah. got that really cool, like super slow-mo shot of Silk Spectre who uh, she's in the hallway and thing the beams are falling around her. Like she jumped through the roof and landed with uh, stuff falling all over her. Yeah. With no powers. Doesn't make any sense. But by the time in she heels. gets... But by the time she gets everybody out of the building and then she looks back one last time to make sure nobody's stuck inside and then the fireball is kind of coming at her and she spins super slow-mo and like races out to the owl ship. It's good looking. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just I kind of suspend my disbelief in this one. The good thing about it is it really does make the fire look like it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. they, they do a kind of unrealistic. These people are currently in a little safe space and are surviving, but not for long. And mm -hmm. they really do push the not for long aspect yeah, of it right. like these people are screwed unless these heroes can get them out mm -hmm. yeah kevin did you suspend your disbelief for the ren and stimpy episode fire dogs <laughs> i do not recall that episode oh my god so moving on you philistines <laughs> ren and stimpy Wait, go to philistines for, for not, not watching it? ren and stimpy <laughs> The opposite is probably true. You bohemians. Yeah, I was about to say, Philistines <laughs> probably flock to Ren and Stimpy. You jerk faces. Uh, the sh short version, <laughs> Ren and Stimpy become fire dogs, have to save a bunch of crazy things like a walrus and a horse and a fat lady. That All right. That sounds like comedy and, gold. Uh, hilarity. <laughs> oh, and they even get the spots put on them. That's nice. Right, like Dalmatians. Right. From Spotted Paint. Hey, it's Cartoon Land. Hey, you know we make fun of it. You go to paint. St you go to home hardware stores now, and there is all sorts of crazy textured paint that you they just have, put on and have, it does things. They have right next to avocado is Dalmatian, right? 
<laughs> yeah, because when you're when you're painting with avocado, it's actually guacamole. It's good for a party. You put it on right before a party, <laughs> so you have wall scrape the wall the dip. paint off of the wall. Yeah, yeah. source of protein. Dip. I like it. That's that's the source of the uh, the evil witch in Hansel and Gretel. She started off with that and then switched to candy later. I on. got it. Are we done? All the better for luring children. Can I go home now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being mentally controlled by a parasitic barnacle. To comment on episodes, make a donation, or see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Subscribe to our Twitter feed at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Allez, you <laughs>